This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, as well as other programming providers, including the Digital Broadcast Network, the Digital Satellite Network, and, of course, our good friends at iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, on all social media sites, TV. And if you'd like to check out the great programming we have available for you, 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Hey, do you get up early in the morning, gang? Well, if you do, I am the host of the new Channel 365 morning show called Good Morning 365. We do news talk. We do entertainment. We do information. It's a great two hours with me from 7 a.m. Eastern until 9 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, and that's on channel365.com, as well as on the Digital Broadcast Network. My guest this hour is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of meeting in person and having on the show a number of times over the past 26 years. Richard Sennett is his name. He was born in Los Angeles, California. He grew up in Ventura, California, a beachside community just south of Santa Barbara. Now, Richard is an author and a very well-known ghost hunter and special focus on Hollywood and the West Coast. He is a historian and worked as a historian from his hometown of Ventura for 22 years. In 1978, though, he saw a ghost as part of an archaeological dig at one of three California missions. It was the Phantom of a Monk. The sighting started him on a career as a paranormalist long before it was popular. He has appeared on many TV shows and has been on many radio shows over the years, including Dead Famous Ghost Adventure Sightings and in the movie L.A. Paranormal. Richard still ghost hunts and gives tours and writes. Now you can check out his list of publications on Amazon.com. Author's page, he lives in Ventura with his wife of 33 years, and she's a lovely lady. I met her too. And three children, Megan and their children, I should say, Megan and Sarah, joining me now from his home in California, my friend Richard Sennett. And Richard, welcome back to the Exxon. Oh, glad to be here. My goodness, Richard. Uh, you are one of the hardest working paranormalists, you know, from way before day one that is still in the field today. And 
Are there still things that amaze you and your and your wife when you go out doing the paranormal investigations? Oh, there's oh an awful lot. There's many things out there. I'm still getting sightings. I'm still having uh, bizarre events happen. I still have many questions that have yet to be answered. Recently, we're at a historic adobe uh, here in Ventura, California, the, the home of a very wealthy Latino rancho from the 19th century. And while we were there, we actually got a photograph of a woman in a white dress in the doorway on the second floor. But I know there was absolutely no one up there. In fact, I'm even in the picture. So I'm coming down the stairs, mm-hmm. and right behind me is this phantom figure being uh, uh, seen and photographed. So that just happened a few days ago. So there are many things out there I still do not have answers for, though I'm trying to work out theories and trying to get some kind of a, a unified theory that might explain some paranormal events. Richard, uh, for the questions that you still have, have any of your questions been answered? Nope, not all wow. of them. Well, uh, some. Okay. A few of them seem to have been answered uh, in the course of my studies. So we're almost, what, 35, 40 years into this quest, and I've learned that, well, ghosts are linked to emotion. There are ghosts that are uh, incredibly filled with rage or joy or something like that. They're bundles of emotion rather than uh, just uh, reflections of past events. I found that what we have done, seances, attempted communication, so I've learned that. Also, I found a couple of other patterns. Staircases are routinely haunted. Why? Well, when I first got into it, I thought it was because, well, people fell down the stairs mm-hmm. and perhaps died, and that's why they haunt there. Easy, right? Yeah. I don't think so. You do the research, no one fell down the stairs. No one died in the house of that uh, complication. I think it may have something to do with energy. People going up and down the stairs throughout the day may somehow recharge Mm. some kind of paranormal uh, uh, event and cause something to be replayed, sort of like a bit of videotape or something. So I think that the energy of living people might act as kind of like a battery towards ghosts. You know, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. I've, I've always found that the second floor of a house mm-hmm. is more haunted than the first floor. And if it's a three-story house, the second floor is more haunted than the third. Now, why that is the case, I don't know. But a lot of the bedrooms are on the second floor. And in the bedrooms, that's where, well, murders happen. Mm-hmm. That's where sex takes place. That's where uh, people die, at least long ago. People used to die at home. That's right. Uh, so it could be linked to that kind of uh, uh, the, uh, end game mm-hmm. pattern. Why don't we do this for our listeners around the world, Richard? Why don't we get you to give us your definition of a ghost? Because you are one of the most credible investigators out there. So coming from Richard Sennett, what is a ghost? Something that is perceived seen, heard, felt, uh, or uh, something that's really not there. Mm. So you encounter a ghost, you have an experience with it, and it vanishes away. Now, these are universal to mankind. Not one culture on planet Earth is free of ghosts. They all have them in one form or another. And from the historical records, being a historian, I looked into this, they go back to the very dawn of writing. We're talking about in Egypt and Babylon and Sumer and China, people talk about ghosts. And those accounts that they mention on Mm. papyrus in Egypt are very similar to the stories we get today. Wow. They really haven't changed much. Richard, is there any common thread between the people who witness these ghosts? Uh, you know, for as many people that 
have seen ghosts, there are an equal amount of people who have not seen ghosts. What, what is the commonality between the people who have seen compared to those who haven't seen? Well, I have noticed that women tend to see ghosts more than men. That's just uh, a pattern I've noticed. I think the people who are more open to it uh, uh, are uh, mm-hmm. susceptible to seeing them. In other words, you believe that ghosts exist or are possible, then you're setting yourself up for becoming an eyewitness to an event. But just to make things more uh, interesting, I've had complete skeptics who don't believe in ghosts, who don't even think it's possible, it's all a derangement syndrome, all of a sudden change their minds and habits when they encounter a ghost for themselves. So that happens too, though on a much rarer basis. Um, what has been the most significant case that you have worked on yourself, Richard? Oh, there's several really fantastic cases. One of the first places I, I did was the Queen Mary oh, down yeah. in Long Beach, California, that old English ship. I was there back in the 1980s, even before uh, Peter got there, uh, you know, the psychic Peter James. James. Yes. Uh, and so uh, I will confirm that ship really is haunted. All the hype they talk about, if nothing else, it's toned down from what really goes on there. I see experienced stuff on the Queen Mary that makes me convinced it is indeed a haunted ship. So that was one of my first big cases. Another one uh, was at the Mission La Purissima Concepcion in Lompoc, California. It's an old restored Spanish mission. I did a two-year-long investigation of that site. And yes, it really is haunted. In fact, it was featured on an episode of uh, Ghost Adventures. And... That place really, in fact, their outtakes that they threw away were perhaps more convincing than a lot of stuff that they wound up using in the program. It's really a haunted site. Uh, And I can understand why. There were lots of deaths there. Mm -hmm. And even in 1824, a a major battle took place between the Native Americans and the the, uh, Spanish uh, soldiers who came to retake the mission from the rebellious Native people. And uh, it was quite, a, quite a, uh, a terrible event that happened there. And those sorts of things leave scars behind, psychic scars. This is why every battle of the American Civil War is haunted. And I'm sure up in Canada there are sites of yes. the battles of, the, of 1812 mm-hmm. That are of course haunted, like sure. York or something like that. Yeah. So whatever it is where men fight and die, uh, uh, they seem to leave an essence behind, which can replay or uh, cause some sort of a, an after-image effect. Do these ghosts that that leave this after-image effect? Do they have the ability to to try to communicate with the living? Yes, oddly enough. Most of the ghosts don't really give a fig about the witnesses. They're just there. We mm-hmm. kind of chance encounter this vision that, that we see of a ghost doing something. They don't even look in our direction. They don't seem to really care. But there's a small percentage of ghosts that actually do interact with the living. All right, Richard, stand by, my friend. We've got to take our break. Exonation, our guest this hour, is a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of speaking to for a number of years and actually meeting in person and spending some time with him in Las Vegas with Richard and his wife. His name is Richard Sennett, www.richardsennett.com, on Facebook, Richard Sennett Ghost Hunter, as well as Richard Sennett's books. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell and Richard Sennett, and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, 
Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. www.richardsenate.com is Richard Sennett's website on Facebook, Richard Sennett, Ghost Hunter, and Richard Sennett's books. And Richard, before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about, you know, ghosts communicating with the living. And do we understand how this works? Uh, It seems that a small percentage of ghosts do have some sort of ability to think to react, and to communicate with the living. Now, this is only a small percentage. We're talking, oh, 5 or 10%. The rest don't seem to really be interested in communicating. But there are a few instances, and I've actually encountered some myself, where there is this bond between the living and what was once living people, the dead. And this is rare, as I say, but it does happen. So I do believe it's a possibility. Wow. Over the last three decades, during the time that you've been working so hard and as a paranormalist, Richard, have you seen any changes within the ghost hunting community, both pro and con? Oh, Oh, yes, very much. It's so different now than it used to be. In fact, it's, uh, I don't think it's improved all that much with all of our new equipment, a new acceptance in mm-hmm. the general community. Uh, back when I started, uh, ghost hunting was not popular. And I got hate mail. I got people condemning me. Really? My children suffered and were singled out in school for special oh. attention as demonologists or something like that, you know, demons. Yeah. Uh, people accuse me of working for the devil, uh, Satan, you know, doing his bidding on the earth. So I, I got it from all kinds of different directions. But back in the early days, there were only a handful of ghost hunters throughout the nation. And we all kept in contact with one another mm-hmm. by telephone or by mail. This was before there was email. So we communicated, we appeared on shows together. Yeah. I guess there was only about 24, 25 of us in the whole nation. That's right. And we all knew each other. Yeah. And we helped each other. I was helped a great deal by Dr. Hans Holzer. And uh, he, did, he did a lot of great work in those early years. And D. Scott Rogo, we lost a great ghost hunter when he was murdered. And there's so many different people out there, Dr. Thelma Moss down at UCLA, people I got to know and work with, and we all helped each other out. I'd say, hey, well, what about staircases? And they would say, well, we've gotten that, too. And we would confirm each mm-hmm. other's accounts. So that, that was the old yeah. days. 
as it's gotten more popular, the numbers have grown. Now in Los Angeles County alone, just south of where I live, there are 1,500 ghost hunters. Oh, my God. 1,500 ghost groups in southern L.A.? Yeah, southern L.A. alone. Now, that's ghost hunters. Now, they're they're organizing groups. Now, I found that the average group usually only lasts about two years. Then it falls apart due to ego and new groups form. So there's all these different groups out there. And, of course, the TV shows have done a lot of good, Mm -hmm. such as it made it more uh, popular. When I started... The number of believers in ghosts was ranked by the Gallup poll. Only 10% of the country believed that ghosts were possible. Now, because of the TV shows, that yeah. number has gone up to like 35 40% believe it's possible. So uh, it's, uh, it has helped in that regard, but unfortunately, it's also been a hindrance. People start getting into this field mm-hmm. not to discover truths or find out answers, but to become famous. They want their own TV show. They see it as a way to become wealthy or powerful or noticed. Wow. Or who knows what? Boy, do they ever and have the so, wrong idea there? <laughs> yeah. You, you understand fully, I'm sure. Oh, I do. And uh, there are so many people out there not doing mm-hmm. good work, not doing the research, not doing the back of the legislature, make a show, do something scary, and then take off and go to the next site for the next week. So that's not the way ghost hunting goes. You have to go back again and again. Hey, it took me two years to do that study at La Purissima. And, of course, nobody wants that. They want to get in for a week, make the TV show, and then go on to the next spot. And... Uh, what I find is because they're really interested in ratings, mm-hmm. many times they're tempted to fake things to make it a better TV show. And I am uh, disgusted by that kind of uh, event. I mean, and then every time one of these ghost hunters, uh, celebrity ghost hunters gets caught, uh, we all get tarred with the same brush as fakers. So it's something that I've had to fight against. So I think it's been a situation where we've advanced. We have better tools than we had in the past, but I don't think we've advanced the cause very much. There are a lot of good people out there doing work uh, in the kind of in the the sidelines. They don't have TV shows, Mm -hmm. but they're actually finding new things out about ghost hunting. And I think they are the reason I put together a site on Facebook called the Ghost Hunters Hall of Fame. And uh, I wanted to highlight ghost hunters of the past who did so much to make this a new field, uh, like Dr. Hans Holzer oh, right. and uh, uh, the guy who created Sherlock Holmes, um, Arthur, Sir Conan Arthur Conan Doyle, Doyle yeah. others did their work in mm-hmm. ghost hunting. And so I try to highlight their contributions and the contributions of these people who are locally known, mm-hmm. but they're not known nationally. Uh, people uh, that have gone out of their way, uh, like Nesbitt over in um, Gettysburg, oh, sure. who's done so much to document the yeah. ghosts of that terrible battlefield. Yeah. And she's been uh, some original work. Yeah. There's other guys all over. In fact, I've included people from the outstanding work being done in Brazil. Uh, we never think of Brazil as ghost hunting, but they're doing a lot. But due to the language barrier, we don't barrier, hear about Portuguese it. or English, you know, their findings mm-hmm. are not being reported here in the United States. Yeah, we've had Mark so, Nesbitt on uh, the show many times, as well as Lloyd Auerbach and, of course, yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the old days, how how the information used to be exchanged freely between what I call the accredited paranormalists of the past, of which you are right there on the top, Richard, in my books. Art Bell, oh, thank you. Art Bell, Jeff Rents, and I used to talk all the time. Yeah, well, I was on his yeah. show once. Yeah, you know, and, and because we didn't want to overlap guests or if we needed to give one a heads up on a guest or whatever it was, 
we always had this open line of communication. And I think as technology has progressed, the lines of communication and the sharing of information has, de- has decreased. It's depleting. Everybody, like you said, yeah. wants to hold on to the smoking gun because they want their 15 minutes of fame, a TV show, and going to get rich. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not. I'm sorry, I've been doing ghost hunting. If I tried to live off of my uh, uh, income from yeah. ghost hunting, I would quickly starve to death. It's a great hobby, but as you try to do mm-hmm. it as a, a living, uh, uh, think again. Yeah. You see what people do. Dr. Don't... Hans Holzer, he, had, he, was a, uh, uh, he taught psychology yes. at New York University. I mean, he, that wasn't his whole life. No, but, you know, um, people think that, all right, they watch TV, you know, you've got either 22 minutes or 44 minutes per, per show, that this is how ghost hunting is. I equate ghost hunting and paranormal investigations to what I used to do in the police force on surveillance. Many nights sitting, watching, nothing happening, waiting for that event to happen. And, you know, you well, look at cop shows and bang, everything's is- done. Oh, one thing I found in a ghost hunt, you have to be incredibly patient. Yeah. And you can go out on a stakeout and have absolutely nothing happen. Uh, that's why I said if you made a real TV show about ghost hunting, you would completely bore people to death because you'd just be sitting in a chair waiting for the whole hour and nothing happens. That happens more times than not, oddly enough. Uh, also, we used to share information. All of yep. us ghost hunters would get together and, and share what we found. Nowadays, no one does it. It's like, I got mine, mm-hmm. you go get yours. Don't use my data. Don't go to my site. This is my territory. Right. We are the ghost hunters of blankety-blank, you know, uh, Pasadena or Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You stay out of my territory. It becomes almost like games or exactly, something like yeah. that. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous, and no one wants to actually divulge their data for fear it'll be stolen. I've published a number of books, and I've been ripped off dozens of times. Mm-hmm. I find I go into a bookstore, and there's a new book. I say, "Hey, that's covering my area," so I look at it, and there are my stories that they just bought one of my books, ripped them off, and rewrote them, and uh, published it as their own, and it's. It's just terrible, uh, the backbiting that exists. Yeah, people calling each other names. Yeah. So-and-so's a faker. Don't trust him. Don't trust that person. It gets really uh, to the point where I'm almost ready to sort of divorce myself from attempting to communicate with others because I get such a... Uh, uh, this horrible sort of atmosphere that is now uh, engaged in the, the uh, communication between these groups. So the more communication we have, seemingly the less we mm-hmm. actually communicate. It is a strange world out there, my friend, and, uh, you know, talking to you and, and the guys from the old school, you know, I, I miss those days. I really miss those days because... The camaraderie, the working together, is is no longer there. And when I look at, once again, I, I, I have to equate paranormal investigations to police work. Because in the world of law enforcement, we exchange information open and freely. That's how we catch the bad guys. So unless you're going to do that within the UFO field, Bigfoot community, or, or ghost community, you're not going to get anything. You need to communicate. You need to share information. Um, we have a bad connection. I can't. I didn't hear that last question. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Rich. Can you hear me now? Richard, are you there? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. We've got to take a break. Please stand by, Richard. Richard uh, Senate is our guest, Exxon Nation a good friend of the Exxon, and if you'd like to find out more about Richard, visit his website, richardsenate.com, and on Facebook, Richard Senate Ghost Hunter and Richard Senate's Books. Don't forget, join me Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. Eastern until 9 a.m. Eastern as I sit and man the anchor desk here at the Exxon Broadcast Network and Channel 365 for the mo- brand-new morning show starts Monday called Good Morning 365. News talk, information, 
entertainment, music, all the great stuff, one place, www.channel365.com. And uh, you can also pick us up if you have a satellite receiver from the Digital Broadcast Network and Digital Satellite Network. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Richard Sennett is my special guest this hour, www.richardsennett.com, and on Facebook, Richard Sennett Ghost Hunter and Richard Sennett's Books. Um, who, in your opinion, Richard, was the greatest ghost hunter you ever met? I have to give it to Dr. Hans Holzer. He would be the guy who really popularized ghost hunting with his book back in the 1950s called, well, appropriately, Ghost Hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, a lot, he, he did a lot to pave the way. But the fellow who really caused me to take a scientific look at ghost hunting was a fellow by the name of D. Scott Rogo, who wrote a number of very uh, uh, cutting-edge books, uh, mm-hmm. one being Phone Calls from the Dead. Now, he's no longer with us, but I had a good time interviewing him, and we compared notes and uh, compared what we were doing. A great man. So he influenced a lot of my approach towards a kind of a scientific view towards ghost hunting. Whereas Hans, uh, he collected stories. He was more of a, in many ways, a folklorist than anything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, he liked to collect the stories and work with psychics to get their input on those stories. But he didn't do any more research beyond that. You know, um, Hans Holzer's daughter, Anne-Marie Holzer, is is also doing investigations uh, these days, I believe. I've had her on the show a number of times, uh, a very nice young lady. And um, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked her. Should we fear ghosts, Richard? Should we fear ghosts? No. Most, well, actually, I should say most of the time... No, but there are a small percentage of ghosts that probably you should fear. There, I, when I first got into the stuff, I thought all the stories of scary, evil ghosts were just that, stories. 
right. uh, more of a product of Gothic fiction mm-hmm. than truth. And most ghosts are like that. But then I started to get stories of evil ghosts, and then I unfortunately encountered a few. Oh. And I had to reach, change my thoughts. There are a few that appear to be, well, evil. Can you tell us uh, about those encounters with the evil ghosts you had? Yeah, one was up in Santa Barbara, where there was a, a, a rather moderate home. We later found out it was built over a cemetery that a, a number of fishermen had been buried. It was a fisherman's cemetery. Mm-hmm. And they kept seeing this figure uh, all in black that would terrorize the family and seemed to deliberately try to poke people while they were asleep, try to break things or damage things. Uh, it was uh, something that would just scared them to death. In fact, it almost seemed to enjoy frightening people. It got to the point where the family, no matter what I did or who I called in or what, they finally had to leave. They just abandoned the house. They were literally getting sick about whatever this was. I went there, and I felt it myself. It was ice cold, and I did see something. It was completely black, and I saw this in a, uh, a dark room. So it's like a shadow that was so black, it even blocked out the light, the dim light wow. in that room. And I felt like it was time to run. I felt the skin crawl on that. But that was just one of the encounters I had. But it was enough to make me rethink the stories that some ghosts, a small amount, by the way, are in fact evil. How do we explain the fact that if a ghost is just an imprint of energy, that this dark entity was able to block light? Wouldn't that show that some of these uh, some of these entities actually have mass? We don't know that. Ah. It, we see them with our eyes, but the ghost might have somehow affected our minds. True, we could have been seeing what a hallucination of what was there. Uh, again, we don't know if they're physical or not, though there is evidence that they do, in the case of poltergeists, move things about, cause things to happen. Uh, but how much is real, how much is not? It's like the ghost going through a locked door, opening a locked door and closing it behind them, mm-hmm. yet you find the door is still locked. Yeah. And it could very well be that what we saw the ghost going through the door was all a subjective hallucination caused by our minds. In fact, do we see a ghost with our eyes, or do we see them with our mind? Ah. I've gone into rooms with psychics, Mm -hmm. and a psychic will see a ghost there, and nobody else will see a ghost. I've gone into rooms where I've seen something, another psychic has seen something, Mm -hmm. and yet other psychics see nothing. So it's kind of strange. Um, do we see them with our eyes, something physical, reflecting light, or somehow do we pick them up uh, with our mind or telepathically? You know, that makes a lot of sense. That really does. Because a lot of people who have gone on ghost walks or ghost tours or ghost investigations, like I was saying earlier, some people see the ghost, other people don't. Could it be that the different mm-hmm. belief systems of the people are totally different and one may have a subliminal block up and they don't see it where the others who are believers see it? I believe so. I think that we have disabilities. Some are just more psychic than others. Now, I have tried to think of kind of a unified theory Mm -hmm. that might account for ghosts. Now, they don't account for all ghosts. The true haunts would communicate with people. This does not impact them. But I think many of the ghosts we encounter, see, are in fact linked to time, that there's warps and holes in the fabric of time. So we look out and see a figure in an old-time costume walking by our house. It may not be a ghost at all. It may simply be uh, looking back through time to where in the 19th century, such a person actually did walk by the place. And conversely, if we can look back in time, 
maybe we can look into the future. So it could be that when we see someone walking by, it could be not a ghost, but someone who will walk by there in the 23rd century. So we get this time might be an element, Mm -hmm. and the fabric of time may be like Swiss cheese. Every once in a while, a hole appears, and when they align just right, we get a glimpse of the past and maybe a glimpse of the future. Now, that theory might also um, explain UFOs, because we look in the sky, we see the strange object. Maybe what we're seeing is an airship uh, of the uh, 28th century. So we're looking up, we're simply looking at cars of the, like the Jetsons flying around, and, but we don't know that. And so we just imagine it must be a flying saucer from another world. It may well be another time, not another space. It might also be why people in the past saw things that they couldn't define. Maybe in the 12th century, if someone looked up and saw a helicopter flying over, what would they think? They'd think it was something really strange and weird. And with lights on it, it would be uh, terrifying to them. And if this was a whole in time, the people in the helicopter may not have actually known that they were being observed by people from the 13th century. It might account for even Bigfoot, because there were creatures like Bigfoot, Giganticus, that did walk the Earth. We know that because we find their remains. Maybe in the right conditions, a person in the forest could look and literally be looking back in time and see an image of Giganticus, and then have it disappear and um, uh, imagine that it's Bigfoot. And so that might account for that. Anyway, these are just stories or or a theory that might account for some paranormal events that appear to be quite mysterious. Fascinating, Richard. Fascinating. The, the, The association of ghosts with UFOs, is this something new? No, it's not new. As a matter of fact, interestingly enough, with our sensitive equipment, when we go into a haunted house where ghosts have been sighted, we get very high EMF readings, Mm -hmm. electromagnetic field readings. When you go to a UFO landing site, what do they get? High EMF readings. So there seems to be some kind of a link between sightings of UFOs and ghosts. I haven't been able to figure that link out. One thing I have found is places with a lot of electrical energy tend to be haunted. And that that means radio stations, because they have a lot of you know high energy, electronic yeah. stuff. And it could be that that might explain why so many DJs seem to come back. Maybe the electrical energy traps some of their essence in that site. So I have gone to numerous radio stations that where they complain or talk about ghosts being there. I remember at News Talk 610 CKTB when I was there, Richard. I was there for a number of years. I was the executive producer for the uh, stations under the Affinity Radio Group. And uh, I would it was purported to be haunted, and I had... I had groups come in, and I had uh, paranormal investigators come in. And, you know, uh, there was one time where one of the producers saw someone, and was so, while she was doing our show, she was so frightened that she walked out of the station. She said, I'm, I can't do this anymore. And I'm, Why do you mean you can't do this anymore? You know, she saw uh, somebody, and if my memory serves me correct, dressed in Civil War guard because St. Catharines was in the area of the uh, of Niagara and uh, the War of eighteen twelve. So, huh. yeah, well, that that parallels many sightings of, that I have heard in radio stations here in Southern California. Yep, and uh, one in L.A. was actually built on an old silent movie film studio, mm-hmm. and uh, they had uh, figures being seen there, which may have been grips, actors, directors from that earlier time. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, but 
what's attracting attracting them, I think, is the high voltage energy that they use and broadcast. Yeah, because uh, you know there's there is a lot a lot of electromagnetic. Uh, impulses because of the computers, because of the microwave uplinks, because of the satellite equipment. It makes perfect sense. All right, Richard. Anyway, that's a theory. Well, it seems like your theory has a lot is holding a lot of water in the with this uh, guy's experience. So please stand by, my friend. We've got to take our final break. And Exonation, my guest this hour, Richard Senate, and Richard and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exon. Check Richard out at www.richardsenate.com and on Facebook, Richard Senate Ghost Hunter and Richard Senate's Books. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and you're listening to us on the Exxon Broadcast Network, our affiliates, and of course, iHeartRadio. The Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Where is the moment we needed the most? You kick up the leaves and the magic is lost. And welcome back, everyone. Richard Sennett is my special guest for this hour, and uh, it's always a great pleasure having you on the show, Richard. And I, I would like to thank you personally for all the great work that you've done over the years and all the people that you've taught, you've trained, the investigations you've done, the great books you've written, your media appearances. You, my friend, are a star when it comes to 
getting at the truth of what is behind the phenomenon called ghosts. So thank you very much from everyone. Well, thank you very much. I, I actually don't get that from many people, oddly enough. But I think I've made a contribution, and that's what I really wanted. The reason you don't get that from a lot of people, Richard, is because they haven't had the pleasure of knowing you and talking to you as many times and for as many years as I have, as well as I, I remember sitting beside you and your lovely wife in, where was it, Las Vegas, when we did a, a show together, an exhibition? Yeah. So, you know, they don't know yeah. you like we know you, and that's why I appreciate the hard work that you do, as well as, you know, I when I can go, you know, like Lloyd Auerbach and, and of course, the late great Hans Holzer and others who have put so much into this, so much hard work, dedication, a lot of time yeah, and a lot of expenses. If you look like, if you go on my author's page on Amazon, I look at it and I go, wow, I wrote all that stuff, you know? And I look at my notes and they're detailed. I've got every case I've worked on, literally file cabinets full of stuff that I've worked on mm -hmm. uh, in an attempt to get some answers or maybe get some kind of a, a theory that would explain them. Yeah. And the trouble I've always had is I'll find a theory that I like, like psychometry, for instance, uh, leftover energy being trapped in an environment. I think, aha, that's the answer. That's the that's the lodestone that answers ghosts. And then I, if something comes along that refutes the theory. I have to throw it aside and start from scratch all over again. Hey, that's how many of the greatest discoveries on this planet were done. You know, you go so far and you have to say, well, where did I go wrong? You know, reinvestigate, redo the research, and keep on going. What advice yeah, do you... I, I, like to mm -hmm. I like to share my data, too. I'm not one of these people that will hold off. In fact, the people who've ripped me off, it's kind of terrible. What they should have done is just call me up. I would have given them the material uh, for free and make sure they got it right so that others could log and maybe join our ranks to investigate this, I believe, the last frontier of knowledge, the paranormal world. Wow. What words of wisdom, Richard, do you have for people listening tonight who may be inspired by what they've heard you say and they want to get into the investigation of the paranormal as a credible means of investigation, just like you do. What are your words of advice? First thing you should do is read. Read at least 100 books. And start out with The, uh, the Edge of the Unknown by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which is cutting edge for the 1920s uh, paranormal research. A lot of it's off today, but that's what was cutting edge for the day. And all the way through and learn from the past. So that's the first step is read, read, read. Then watch all the ghost shows and all the documentaries and see where they get things right and where they get things wrong as well. Be skeptical. Don't throw away your skepticism. You have to definitely go out and uh, keep an open mind to everything. Follow mm -hmm. the data wherever it leads. And many times I've gone on investigations and found that uh, there was nothing there or that it was all a hoax. That's happened, too. Yeah. And uh, that something was a misidentified natural event. So uh, you have keep your mind open not to accept a paranormal solution before you discounted all the natural solutions. Where do you see the future of ghost hunting and the quest for, psych, uh, for the psychic world in the future, Richard? Well, I think it's going to advance. I think we're just on the cutting edge. Mm -hmm. And one of my great dreams is one day in the future maybe 20, 30 years from now, there'll be a great convention, maybe somewhere in the Midwest or something, and all these ghost hunters will come. And when they finally get together, a disproportionate number of them read my books or went to my lectures or took one of my classes mm -hmm. or somehow were influenced by me 
to go into this field and make the discoveries of the 21st century. That's my great dream, and they will do it. It's going to happen. We're going to get answers. Maybe not all the answers, but we will get some. I agree with you 100%, Richard. I really do. Based on the years of experience you have, Richard, what are the do's and what are the don'ts of paranormal investigations? Well, first, you've got to know why you're getting into it. You've got to mm-hmm. sit down and say, why am I wanting to take this up? First, you're going to get a lot of uh, derogatory things said about you. You're going to face problems. Uh, you can't get like a security clearance if you're a ghost hunter. A lot of things like that's going to come up. So realize why are you doing it. If you're doing it to make money, that's the wrong reason. If you're doing it for fame, wrong reason, because it doesn't happen like that. If you're doing it because you want answers to these questions, that's the right reason. You want to go there and find what is there. And by the way, this is the greatest question of all. Do you survive after death? Is this life it? Or does the grave, is that not the final chapter, but just the beginning of a whole new book? I've, over the years, come to believe that uh, from my experience and mm-hmm. my sightings and things that I've uh, discovered, I believe that we do continue on, that this life isn't the end, and it continues in some other form. I don't know exactly what that is, but it goes on. So that's why you've got, got to go into it. So figure out why you're going to do it, and then do it as best as you can and try to be honest about doing it. And it'll be very tempting because people in Hollywood and all will want you to say things that if you don't believe in them, say no. But many times people will be seduced by money and fame and uh, start to become not ghost hunters, but in fact celebrities in the field. I think many have given up their uh, integrity due to that. Sad to say, really. There are still some good people out there. Yes, don't, there are. Uh, don't say I believe all of them uh, aren't worth assault. There are good people there doing the work. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people have gone into it for the wrong reasons. So figure out why you're going into it, and then share your data. If you find something out, let people know. Don't sit on it. One ghost group in L.A., they, they go on their investigations, but then they never report it to anyone. It's all kept in a box under the president of their organization's bed. <laughs> that's, that's not, imagine if you were a doctor. Yeah. You discovered penicillin, and then you didn't tell anyone. Oh, I'm going to put that formula under my bed so I have it, and you don't. That's no good. We, to advance as a science which is what we must do mm-hmm. if we are to achieve anything. If we're going to advance in this way, we must share our data, share our experiences, and progress to uh, make that leap from being what they call a pseudoscience to being a real and acceptable science. You see, this is why people respect you, Richard, because you say it as it is, and you say it with integrity. Hats off to you, buddy. Well, that's what's all important. You have to maintain that integrity. And the minute you go down to the dark side, mm-hmm. uh, you lose credibility. And sadly enough, um, you know, it's been hard for me. And I've, I've had TV people call. One guy called me up and said, do you have any videotape of ghosts? I said, no, I'm sorry, I have none. Uh, a few still pictures, that's about it. And he says, oh, we need a we're making a documentary, and um, mm-hmm. you have any? I said, well, again, I'm sorry, I don't. And they said, well, can you put some together? Oh, jeez. We don't mind if it's fake or not. They go, wait a minute. Oh. And so I said, if you're going to pay money to people for fake stuff, yeah, it's not worth doing. Yeah. And, yeah, I hung up on them. Good for you, but Richard. Other people took the challenge and ended up on Fox, a this great ghost show in which they had people debunk all of these uh, uh, videotapes mm-hmm. reported to be ghosts. 
Richard, so, uh, I hate to do this, my friend, but keep your integrity. Richard, come back and visit us again, my friend. The door is always open to you, and uh, thank you for all the great work you do and that you've done over the years. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Take care, Richard. ExoNation, Richard Sennett has been my guest. www.richardsennett.com and on Facebook, Richard Sennett Ghost Hunter. I'm Rob McConnell. I'll be back after the news. Don't go away.